What are your thoughts on persuasion? Do you think it's a good thing, a bad thing? I'm really curious about this because I think that there's a lot of maybe misconception about what persuasion actually is because people think like, you know, I hear and I sense in the general population that, oh, it's a bad thing. I don't want to get someone to do something that they don't want to do. And that's true. You probably shouldn't. But every single thing that's good in this world came about because somebody persuaded somebody else to try it once or to work with them so they could build it. And here's the thing. Without it, we would be nowhere. Absolutely no progress would have happened in the world because when something is new, the human brain, the human psyche, what we tend to do when something is new and has changed, we tend to resist it. And if we resist it, there's no progress. So on today's episode, we're going to talk all about persuasion, why it's important, how to do it ethically and morally for the good of everybody involved, and why this is going to be so important for you in your life if you want to live your life in freedom, if you want to build your business. So let's get ready to have this conversation on persuasion. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Money, Love, and Freedom Podcast, where you'll develop the mindset and skills to create a life of total abundance, from business and health to wealth and love. Discover what it takes to live a life of freedom on your terms. And now, your host, Coach George Wang. What's up, Freedom Fighter, and welcome to another episode of the Money, Love, and Freedom podcast. And as always, I'm your host here, Coach George Wang, helping you to sell more, serve more, and live better. And so this week is my 38th birthday, which is a trip. It's it's crazy to think that I'm uh, 38 years old, uh, to be honest, but... There's something I really wanted to think about. I was thinking about, you know, what what could I talk about for my 38th birthday? What could I say that would actually mean something to me and you during this time? And I thought about, you know, what's you know, what's what's something that was really important in my life? What what helped me get ahead? What helped me do the things that I was able to do in life? And I realized there's one skill set that really propelled everything. And that's the skill set of persuasion. And I want to talk about that a little bit today. Because, you know, persuasion, I don't know what your representation of it is, but some people think it's good and some people think it's bad. I love it. I love the topic. But some people I know, maybe you're one of these people, maybe you think, oh, persuasion's bad, or I don't want to convince anyone to do anything. I don't I don't like persuasion. Here's the deal. We have all been persuading people since we were born. When you were, I don't know, five days old, you had to persuade your mother to give you milk by crying and screaming. And that worked back then. It doesn't work today as an adult, but it worked back then. And you persuaded your mom, or if your dad was giving you a bottle, to give you milk. So we've been doing it since we were young, right? Think about when you were a kid trying to maybe get your friends to play the game that you wanted to play or to watch the show you want to watch, whatever it may be. 
We've been do- it, it's just a part of human civilization. Now here's the thing. Are you using it in a way that's actually going to serve you and everybody else around you? Or are you just scared of it and you're not doing it at all and you're saying, no, I don't want to do it. You've been doing it. I'd like to tell you a little story. You know, when, when I came back from Las Vegas, and if you don't know this about me, I, I was living in Las Vegas for about eight years and I lived my life as a professional poker player. And uh, to be honest, that's persuasion right there. I had to persuade people that I had a bad hand when I had a really good one. And I had to persuade people that I had a good one when I had a bad one, right? Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, you know, uh, it's just how it goes. But the thing is, I came back after an eight-year poker career uh, to help with my family. Uh, my, you know, my sister had a really bad tragic accident where her skull was literally shattered in half. So, and there was a lot of uh, brain trauma, a lot of psychological issues after that. So I came back to help with the family. And when I did that, I realized I needed some work. I needed to do something to make money again. And so what I decided was, you know, my skill set has always been in persuasion. You know, I've been studying neurolinguistic programming, hypnosis, and these out of kind of behavioral sciences since I was 19 years old. And I've always sold. If I if I wasn't playing poker, my only other job I've ever done in my life was sell. So I decided I would get into technology sales because I, I live here in Silicon Valley. Um, you know, there's nothing else but tech, right? Tech is the the big uh, money maker in in my area. So I decided to to uh, get into technology sales. Now, how 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 does a person who has an eight year resume gap starting a new career at the age of I don't know what I was maybe thirty two, thirty three, thirty four I, I don't remember but I was in my my early thirties at the time. How does someone like that break into a career full of younger people moving fast, and how does a person like that succeed in it? Well, one thing I knew is I'd probably have to start at the very, very bottom, and I did, right? My coworkers were, you know, straight out of college, 22, 23 years old. And so what I did was I got an entry-level position at a technology firm here, and the way this normal career track works is there's a position called a sales development rep, which is where you're just bringing in leads, uh, you know, making cold calls, you know, uh, emails, that kind of stuff. And you're just bringing in leads and setting up meetings for then what's called an account executive to actually take the deal from there and then work on that deal for three, four, five months, up to a year, year and a half to get the deal closed. And the normal progression is someone is an SDR typically for maybe one to two years, typically. Then if they're good, then they become what's called a small SMB, so small, medium business account executive. And that's when you're dealing with smaller companies, you know, depending on where you work, that might have a different definition. But typically, you know, you're selling into companies where they're doing, you know, uh, under $100 million in revenue. And they may be anywhere between 10 people to 100 people, something like that. And then, so they might be doing that from year two to year six, maybe for the rest of their career. You can make a pretty good career as a SMB account executive. Uh, but then if you want to get to the big leagues, then probably like year five, year six, year seven, if you're doing really well, you're learning, you're growing, and you're learning how to manage complex sales, then you might start to be able to get what's called enterprise sales. So you might become an enterprise account executive. And that's when you start to work with the big companies, you know, the Fortune 500s, the largest companies in the world. And so normally that takes about like, you know, six, seven, eight years before you get to that point. Now, this is not to showboat, not to say how great I am or anything like that, but this is my career track. 
I started there uh, at the very, very bottom. Within three months, because I have the skill set, uh, uh, you know, the skills that I have, I was managing that SDR team. And then on month six, which should have been year three or year four, month six, I moved into an SMB slash enterprise account executive role. And by month seven, which is just a month later, I was basically a full-fledged enterprise account executive. And I had large accounts. Uh, you know, think of companies like uh, some of the big ones I can think of are Philips Lighting. If you know Philips, the lighting company that we all love, the Philips U brand. Uh, Adidas uh, was a company uh, a company I was working with. Barclays Banks. I mean, there's just, there's just a huge list of all these huge companies that we all know that I started working with. But how did I get there? What takes most people six or seven years how did I get there in seven months? It's because I have the skill set of persuasion. And I'm not talking about just persuading my customers to purchase something. What I had to do is I had to persuade other people around me. First, when I when I was applying for the job, I had to persuade the company that, you know, even though I, I had an eight-year resume gap, I have no past experience at technology at all, that I could do the job, right? So first, I had to persuade them on that. And once I'm in the role, I did my job great. Right. And then I had to persuade the CEO that I could manage the team. And then I had to persuade the VP of sales that I could close some of these SMB deals. And to be honest, I didn't even ask the first time. I just did it. There was a, I remember there was one specific deal that uh, it was a small deal. It would have been like, a, I think, a $15,000 contract or a $20,000 contract, which is relatively small in, in the business I was working at. And uh, nobody wanted it. None of the AEs wanted it. We only had two other two AEs at the time. They were way too busy, and they just they just let it fall off into the the ether. So I just I just grabbed it and I just closed it. And I I uh, I slacked uh, I slacked my VP at the time, and I was like, Hey, I just closed this deal. Uh, I need you to help me write up the contract. And he was like, Oh, okay. Well, we've got to talk about terms next time. But good job. And uh, and I that persuaded him, right? And then I had some more conversations with him. And on month six, I got officially titled as an account executive. And month seven, I had all these big accounts. So here's the thing, right? What 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 there is bad, right? Is there anything bad that I just said? Let's see. Let's let's think about what happened, right? Number one, I did a lot of good for myself, right? I was able to move up quickly, earn myself of a good income, like a very good income very, very fast, which is what I've always been used to doing. And I made a lot of money for the company I was working for, right, which was great, because we were a startup, we needed to increase our revenue so that, you know, we could get continuing uh, rounds of funding, and hopefully, you know, get to a big exit, whether it's to sell to another company or go public or whatever that may be. And I was also helping a lot of customers. The kind of stuff that we were selling was incredible. There was one customer I was working with, where just in the beginning of the sales cycle working with them, before they were even a customer of mine, I helped them make, I think it was like a quarter million dollars more in just the, in, while we're still in the sales cycle. They weren't even a customer yet. They're, they were they were what's called a POC, uh, proof of concept, when they were just testing our product. And they made a quarter million dollars. So I was helping everybody involved. And that's the thing, right? That's the thing about persuasion. Okay, this skill set, persuasion, selling, is entirely agnostic. It's not good. It's not bad. It just is. It's like it's like a hammer, 
right? Like a hammer could be used for a lot of good things. You could you can take a hammer, go volunteer for Habitats for Humanity, and build houses for people in impoverished nations and help them to have you know a place shelter, a place to raise their family. You could also take a hammer and bash someone over the head with it. Now, just because somebody somewhere in the world takes a hammer and bashes someone in the head with it, does that mean we should avoid hammers at all costs? Never use a hammer for anything? Never use a hammer to build a house for someone in need? It's bullshit, isn't it? So why do we? some people think that? And I'm not saying this is you, but why do some people think that this is what persuasion's like? It doesn't make sense. So I want to dispel that myth that it's bad because it's not. It's absolutely not. What makes it bad is the person using the tool. So it's not the tool, it's the person, okay? So if you, and I'm sure this is you, if you're an ethical, honest, hardworking entrepreneur with a good product to get out into the world, then it's your ethical duty to use every skill set possible to try and get it out in the world. Let's take Elon Musk, for example, right? And, you know, he created Solar City, he created Tesla, all these great companies, right? And he's really, really worried about the, 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 the future of the human civilization, right? So he says, hey, we're, we're relying way too much on fossil fuels. If we continue dumping all of these greenhouse gases and emissions into our, into our atmosphere, you know, this, this world that we live in isn't going to be here anymore. So what does he do? First, he decides to create Solar City, right? But what do you do? He has to first persuade people that, hey, this is a good idea, so let's put some investment capital together and then do this. And then as this little startup, he has to go out and persuade a bunch of people who have never heard of this company before with zero job security that, hey, this company might be something one day, so let's all work together. And then he decides to build Tesla, right? And he creates Tesla and has to do the same thing all over again. He puts a lot of his own money in for sure. And then he has to persuade other investors to put money in also. Got to remember, he was going up against all these other car manufacturers to build a company based off of electric cars, a technology that did not even exist at the time with zero infrastructure. When he started Tesla, there was no charging station to get your car charged, but there were gas stations everywhere. So think about it. Who would want to invest in a company where you're going against the largest companies in the world who have infrastructure already built, and you're just this little crazy guy with this crazy idea, right? But he has this mission. He believes that, hey, if we don't do this, our human, the human race is at risk. So he used his persuasion skills and got people on board. And today, we all know Tesla, and I hope some of you at least know SolarCity. Uh, by the way, uh, Tesla has since purchased SolarCity, so they're all under one, one umbrella now. But is it bad? Is that bad that he used his persuasion skills to build a great company like Tesla that's literally trying to stop the human civilization from existing, from not existing, I guess. I don't know if I said that right, but you get the point, right? He's using his skill set to do something good in the world. So again, the only time when you're trying to persuade someone when it's bad is if you're trying to get someone to do something they don't want to do or that's bad for them, okay? 
that's when it's bad. So when you're, if, you're, if you know that your product or whatever you're selling is, is going to do harm to somebody or it's not right for the person or something that they don't even want in their life. Like let's say, and I don't know why this would be true, but let's say somebody likes hand-washing clothes and for some reason they're just hell-bent on it. They, they want to live like they're in the 1800s and they're never going to use a washing machine. Then yes, trying to get that person to buy a washing machine would be bad, right? Unless there's some real benefit for them to them, right? What if hand washing is actually taking away time from their family, right? What if the board that they've been washing that they didn't know is toxic, right? All these things could happen. But if they really don't want it and it's not good for them and you still try to push on them, that's when it's bad. But again, that's on the individual person. That's not on the skill set of persuasion itself. Now, another thing is, Here's when it's pushy because I know a lot of people and you might be one of these people and I definitely am is that I don't want to be pushy. And some people think that, hey, if I'm going to be persuasive, then I'm going to be pushy. I'm going to come off as pushy. Here's the only way you come off as pushy. Okay, Everybody in this world has their own set of like their own identity, their own filter that they see everything. They see, hear and feel everything in the world through their own set of filters. So you have a filter, I have a filter, right? And your filter, my filter, is made up of our identities, our beliefs, our values, right? Our environment, you know, our upbringing, our parents, all this stuff makes up the filter of how we see and experience the world. So you come off as pushy when you try to use your own filters and push those reasons onto somebody else. That's when you come up as pushy because maybe they don't see the world the same way, but you're trying to get them to see it your way. That's when you come off as pushy. So here's how to do it the right way. Here's how you persuade without being pushy. You look at their own filters. You try to see, you try to hear, you try to understand and get a grasp of what their filters are. What are the mechanisms? How do they see the world? How do they feel the world? How do they hear what's going on around them? And knowing what their filters are, first by understanding their filters, then you take a comparison. Then you say, okay, will my product help this person? Will my service help this person based off of their filters of the world? And if so, then I'm going to try to persuade them by using their filters, the way that they see the world, the way that they experience the world. Here's an example. Let's say you're a fitness coach. And somebody comes to you and says, hey, I want to be healthy. I want to lose weight because I want to be healthy and I want to live a long time. I want to live a long time for my children, for my family. And one of my big goals is to be healthy for them. So you know their model of the world, right? What, What they care about is losing weight for health and to be around for their family. So that's their filter. Now let's say, okay, cool. Now let's say you jump up and say, okay, cool. I'll help you get fit. I'll help you get fit so you can, you know, so you can hang out at the beach, so you can, you know, be in that that bikini body that you want or that that surfer body that you want, right? Let me help you get that body that you want. That's when you come up as pushy because that's not their fucking filter. That's not what they said they wanted. That's not what they said they're going after. Are you starting to understand this? Right? Someone comes at you with a certain set of problems, certain set of filters, and you're pushing something else onto them. That's when you come off as pushy. So instead of saying, hey, I'll get you beach body ready, 
You use their own filters. Okay, I understand that. So what would it be like if you could live a long time for your family? How would you live? What are the things you would experience in your life? Then you get some more filters out of a question like that. And then you can use that set of filters back with them. Okay, so I understand that you want to live a long time. So in order to do that, here are the steps we want to take. You spell the steps X, Y, and Z because I understand what's really important to you. I understand what's important to you is for your own personal health as well as making sure you're around for a long time. Maybe you're going to look like a beach body person. Maybe not, right? Because you don't need to look like a beach body person to have your goals. So those are not your goals. And I understand that. What your goals are, what your what your filters are, and I wouldn't use the word filters here, but I'm just you know you know trying to say so you understand where we're going with this. Your filters are around your health and being around for a long time for your family. So let me help you do that. Let's craft a plan that's going to allow you to live the longest life possible so you can be here to watch your children grow up, to watch them get married, to watch them have children, and for you to become a grandparent. And that's what you really want, isn't it? Do you get how this works? You've got to use their own filters. And that's how you do it ethically and authentically for the good of everybody involved. So I really want you to think about this. Think about how you're selling your product. How are you helping people? How are you trying to get your message across? Are you doing it through your own filters? Are you actually asking your customers, your prospects, what it is that they care about, and then trying to craft your persuasion around that so you can actually help them. And I'm really going to ask you to sit down this week and try to figure this stuff out. Interview your prospects, interview your customers, understand them first. I don't give a shit what you think your product is good for. Understand what they care about because that's what it's about. It's about helping the other person. If you help the other person, then all the money, all the wealth, all the good stuff will flow to you. But you've got to help the other person first. And you can't help them unless you persuade them first to come and sign on to your product, your service, whatever it may be, if your product or service is right for them. But if you can do this, if you can persuade people honestly, ethically, authentically, so that everybody involved everyone's lives are going to be better. Yours and theirs and all the people around them will be better because of it. Then you're going to live that life of freedom on your terms. Thank you so much for listening this week. I really appreciate you so much for being here, for being on this journey with me. And, you know, until next week, learn the persuasion skills. Learn your about your customers, your prospects and the people around you and get into their minds, get into their hearts, get into their souls, and persuade them for the betterment of everyone involved. Take care and have a great week.